moment and um, just a moment for gratitude. And just think about what we have um, in this congregation, what God has blessed us with, that um, Brent, we have your passion and the passion of so many talented singers who want to be here and help us. We have uh, brothers like Lowell who share their heart when they're sharing a prayer with us. Uh, We have so many of you encouraging one another. I mean, I can go on and on. It's not my job here to name people and to give them um, a word of praise. That's what we do for one another. And I just want you to stop and think about it too and and have that gratitude. Um, Youth group, college group, we're so thankful to have you back with us this Sunday. We missed you last Sunday, but we appreciate so much the good things that you were doing in Nashville and in Guatemala. And we're just so thankful that we've got that. And there's a lot of growth going on. Um, It can be disorienting at times. But uh, Brent, you mentioned your mom. She's part of that cloud of witnesses, the people who've gone on. I like the way Barry Neal puts it. They're the graduating class. They've, uh, They've gone on before us. And they're still with us, encouraging us and telling us to press on and keep going and do more. I'm just very thankful that this congregation has made it its mission. I'm so thankful for our leaders, and they've embodied this and named this recently, and you're going to hear it over and over again, that our mission is to follow Christ, to make disciples, to be his disciples. There's just so much to be thankful for. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would bless us this morning. We pray that your word speaks to us. I pray that you would be with me as I share this word. I pray that your word will, uh, that I will be obedient to that word and to the service that I've been entrusted with. And I pray that you would be with all of us, that we will listen, we will absorb this word, we will pay attention to the words of our living Savior Jesus Christ, whose power is at work among us. And where we need to, I pray that we will have the strength to go and do as he instructed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So take a look with me at uh, Luke chapter 10. We're going to be wrapping up this uh, um, series on dynamic, which is simply the, the, the word in the old language for doing stuff, for getting things done, the power to do. Uh, and, and we're going to extend it into next Sunday, which is Easter. And I want to encourage you, there's two things I want to encourage you to do. One is bring your, bring your friends, bring your family. We know we have a lot of family that comes in. Uh, you will be amazed at how ready people are to accept an invitation to church on Easter. Uh, don't knock that. Just go ahead and work with it. I mean, even if they just think it's the thing to do, just go with that, you know. Just talk to them, and if they say, well, yeah, it is Easter. I'm supposed to go to church. You say, that's right, and then just bring them with you, you know. And you don't have to have a big discussion. Just get them here. Um, they just want to know that they're going to be welcome. And then, uh, you know, they want to know that, that it's okay if they uh, 
don't have uh, Easter clothes. Tell them it's fine. Uh, tell them that I, I, I won't have Easter clothes either uh, because I don't know what they are. And you know, so they're, they're going to be comfortable. Um, but after the men's retreat, which, by the way, I want to encourage you to sign up for that. That's on the front of your bulletin. And uh, we're going to continue in Luke but start a new series, a new approach. And all of this is getting us close to learning more and more about Jesus and his power at work among us. And there's this very short but very wonderful story at the end of chapter 10 um, about Mary and Martha. And just in saying that, you, you know, you're, you're thinking, I already know this story. I know about this one. Yeah, but let's listen to it like it's the first time. Uh, yeah, it's 10 starting in verse... 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the, the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And there's yet so much that we pack into this. We start with Martha. I don't know how you feel about Martha. I've learned to have a lot of sympathy for Martha. I, I don't know if you picked it up, but I did translate all of that very correctly because there are clues in the Greek language that when you translate what Martha said, that you're supposed to say, Lord, don't you care that my sister just sits here? That's actually, no, it's not in the text. Don't believe that. But um, I was just stringing you along. So there you go. There's April Fool's early. How's that? Um, but you, could, you hear her say it like that, don't you? <clears throat> and, and maybe the way that we hear Martha saying those words, the tone is everything. What is she saying? I like the translations that say, Lord, doesn't it concern you that I'm taking care of everything? And my sister is in there going to your Bible study. And then, very passively, she says, why don't you teach her that she's supposed to go help me in the kitchen? How about that lesson? She needs to hear that one. But you got to have some sympathy for Martha, too. I like Martha. I mean, without Martha, where are are Jesus' disciples going to eat? He's already told these missionaries, you need to go out, you need to share the gospel, you need to proclaim the the word of the kingdom, and don't take a sack lunch with you. You just go, and wherever they will welcome you in, you accept that hospitality. Well, if it's left to Mary, they're going to starve. Uh, She doesn't seem to have much initiative in that department. Martha, meanwhile, opens her house and offers hospitality, which, by the way, is not a common thing. 
And Jesus, a, a teacher, he would be thought of as a rabbi, he accepts this hospitality from a woman who has her own house. It, it's kind of not done in his day. But he taught his disciples, you accept hospitality where it's given. And he's not going to say no. Martha's the kind of person that gets things done. I mean, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the Marthas among us that put things together, that make sure things get done. Without a Martha, then, uh, you know, somebody, Lowell will get up here to lead the prayers for the Lord's Supper, and somebody have to run back there and open up boxes of crackers and grape juice. You know, the Marys among us, we wouldn't think about that. It's like, oh, well, communion will just appear somehow. We don't know. It just shows up, you know. Let's all just make sure we go to worship. You've got to have some sympathy for Martha. She gets things done. She makes things happen. And there are times in my life that I, I want the Martha people looking out for me. You know? They're the ones that write the checks. <laughs> They're the ones that balance the book. They're the ones that make sure that there's money in the account. They're the ones that make sure that things get clean. They're the ones that make sure that the trash gets put out. Otherwise, me and my kind, we just keep stacking dishes in the sink until something breaks, and then we just go buy more dishes. You know, that's the way to handle it. Somebody else is going to take care of it. And that somebody else is a Martha. And I appreciate the Marthas. Martha gets things done, but she gets things done at the cost of worrying about things. And Jesus says to her, you're, you're worried and you're stirred up about every last thing. She's worn out trying to get it right. I don't know how much Martha has to do to put on a meal for Jesus and his disciples. I don't know that this is the 12. There's no telling how many people she's, she's brought in and shared hospitality with here. But still in all, I figure if they're, you know, if they're the recipients of hospitality, then, you know, Serve them a few uh, cakes or something like that, you know. Just just crack open a box of something. I don't know. I don't know what it takes in her world to do that. But like many cultures and even our own, there's probably standards of hospitality, standards of etiquette that say you have to do it a certain way, and if you don't, then you're going to be considered a poor host. It's kind of sad that we do that when really the focus is on sharing what's good and, and, and what helps one another. And I think that's where Jesus is going with part of this. But Martha is worn out trying to make it right, trying to get it done, trying to feed everybody. And her intentions are good. She's showing hospitality. That's one of the finest virtues in the ancient world. It's important. Without it, People have nowhere to stay. They have no provision. Who, who's going to take care of them? And so she asked this question, Lord, don't you care? I mean, she's concerned. And one thing about concerned people, and this is true of you too, that when you're concerned, you want other people to share in your concern. I'm concerned about this. One of the ways we often use this phrase of Martha's is we use the phrase doesn't it bother you doesn't it bother you Benjamin when people fall asleep during your sermon 
Everybody who's awake is laughing now. Um, People ask me that. Well, I find it interesting that they're asking me that. Seems like I should be the one saying, you know, gee, does it bother you that you fall asleep during my sermon? You know, that's the way it seems like it's supposed to go. But I figure that people ask me that because they're bothered by it and they want to know if I share their concern. And so usually when people ask us, doesn't it bother you, they, they've got a concern of their own, and they're asking us that because they want to know, you know, is there a problem here? And maybe they want to know if they themselves just need to change their attitude and it's really not a problem for anybody else. Or maybe what they're doing is they're asking, listen, I've got a problem with this. You need to have a problem with this. We all need to have a problem with this. Let's change it. Sometimes people are coughing their anxiety on us they're sneezing out their anxiety hoping that we'll get the anxiety virus well it's martha's initiative because she is the one that gets things done she's the initiative person she's the she's the uh, she's the risk taker she gets things done so she i you know from what i read she's interrupting jesus's lesson and says "Hmm, lord doesn't it bother you that you're my sister's sitting out here while you're teaching and meanwhile I'm in the kitchen getting things ready. Why don't you have the lesson that says uh, you ought to help your sister in the kitchen? You know, that's a good lesson. Let's go to that one. What verse is that? Let's ask this question then, because Martha's brought it up. Martha's brought up the question, Lord, don't you care? What does Jesus care about? Have we ever stopped to think about that? What does Jesus really care about? We go to Jesus all the time like Martha. We have our prayers. We publish our prayers. We list our prayers. We share our prayers. We mention things. What does Jesus care about? Well, he cares about me, yes. But does he care about everything that I care about? Does he care? Well, he cares about his church. He does. But does he care about everything that his church cares about? Sometimes I think all of us, even those who are more merry than Martha, all of us think that Jesus is just going to go with whatever we say. Jesus, listen, it's your job to hear our prayers, to intercede for us. We've got some real concerns about some things, and we want to share that with you. And we expect customer service from Jesus. Because he's going to care about whatever we care about, right? Like getting our lazy sister to help us do the dishes and prepare the dinner. I mean, we've got our church problems, right? Well, let's just tell Jesus to fix them. I don't know why we don't. We do that with our church leaders. Hey, there's a problem with this church. Fine, what are we going to do? Let's tell the elders about it. They'll fix it. Or we'll tell the ministers about it. Or tell the preacher. He'll preach a sermon on it. I always love it when people want me to preach a sermon because people are not showing up for worship service. You see how that wouldn't work? I need to make it, you know, go around, you know, maybe phone it in, literally, you know. Hey, I got a sermon for you you missed. Uh, What does Jesus really care about? And really what we are going to come up with is, What is it that we want him to care about? 
And we want him to care about our concerns. But do we ever stop to ask, Jesus, what do you care about? What matters to you? This small little story gives us, you know, we, we, we get into the psychology and the character and the personality of Mary and Martha, and maybe it's opening up to us our own thinking, and it's exposing us like that double-edged sword that cuts to the quick, and it says, you know, so often we ask Jesus to be concerned about the things that we're concerned about, and really we need to be going to him and saying, Jesus, we want to be concerned about the things that concern you. We want to be concerned about the things that matter to you. Can we accept that? I mean, think about that, because it's very easy for us, especially as a church, to think, well, Jesus cares about all of our church business, does he? What Martha was doing was not bad. What Martha was doing was not sin. In fact, it was very virtuous. Sometimes we make Jesus out to be the, the prudish scold. That he only speaks up and says things like this when somebody's misbehaving. You know, Martha comes in and says, Jesus, doesn't it concern you that my sister's not helping me? And Jesus is supposed to come back by saying, well, somebody's got an attitude, don't they? Somebody broke up on the wrong side of the bed. I guess you missed Bible school this morning. That's not the case. Uh, in fact, then there's this very strange language at the end where Jesus says that she has chosen the better part. And it won't be taken away from her. The better part of what? Mary says not a single word in this story. And I don't think that's accidental. Mary's a disciple. She's not just going to a class. She's not just attending a seminar. In this story, we are meant to take from it that she is a disciple. Martha's a disciple too. But Mary is a disciple because Mary is doing what all of the disciples of Jesus do. They learn. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. And when it says that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, that phrase means she has come to study with Jesus. It may be that part of Martha's problem is that Mary is not doing what women in their culture are supposed to do. That women in their culture are supposed to be keepers of the household, extend hospitality, but Mary cannot be one of these disciples of the rabbi. And that might be part of Martha's problem. It's possible. But Mary is definitely a disciple because, and this, verse, this, this phrase is not accidental, she sits at the feet of Jesus to learn. And Jesus says that when she has chosen the better part, he's saying <coughs> she's focused on what matters the most. Martha is distracted. She's not sinning. She's not evil. She's not wrong. She doesn't have an attitude problem. She is distracted. And she is anxious. And those same words are used in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, why do you worry about tomorrow? 
Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about what you'll wear, what you'll eat. It's those same words. Mary has put away the anxiety and has decided if if following this Jesus is really that important, then nothing else can be as important. Nothing else can be on the shelf with following Jesus. You know, so it, it's, really, it's really great. We can put on banners and I can say, well, the mission of this church is to make disciples. Amen, 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 amen. But do you understand that being a disciple means that we are sold out to one thing? We are focused and invested in one thing. That doesn't mean that other things aren't going to be given attention. But we cannot be distracted by them. And I'll just say this, you know, because in our own lives, it's something we always have to work with, that there's always going to be something come up that's going to distract us. But I want to caution us as a church, as a church, let's not simply be busy and equate that with discipleship. Because there's a lot of good things in church that we can distract ourselves with. And by the way, we can distract ourselves with things we don't even agree on. Or things that we don't agree with. I don't like that program, preacher. I don't think we should be doing some of that. I think that there's too much invested in that. I think it takes too much time. Uh Uh-huh. Well, then why are you bothering to focus on it? (laughs) And we can get so worried and have constant conversation about it when sometimes we need to just say, you know what, we'll sort this out. Good people can sort this out. Let's not be distracted by these things. Let's go to Jesus and ask him what is the most important thing. And in this case, Mary has chosen to be quiet and listen to Jesus. She's not distracted. And when Jesus says it's not going to be taken away from her, he is saying to Martha, Martha, she's chosen what's most important, and I am not going to ask her to cater to your needs. That's what that means. I'm not going to ask her to give that up just so she can go make tortillas. I'm not going to do that. She's not going to say, well, you know, yeah, it is a good thing. Busy, busy, busy. I want to be a worker for the Lord. No. We're We're going to stop and listen to Jesus. This isn't just a Mary and Martha problem. It's an us problem. And I want you to understand this little truism. Getting it right is not the same as doing what's right. I mean, we can focus so much on procedure. We can focus so much on activity. And getting that right, but with all of that busyness, we're not doing the right thing. We're not doing what is right. Jesus gets to tell us what is right. Jesus gets to tell us what the better part is. We don't go to him and say, Jesus, we think this is a great idea. We want you to bless it. When his power is at work among us, that power will work to accomplish not our purposes, his purposes. 
before anyone goes here thinking that, you know, oh, yeah, this is a good lesson for Mary and Martha. The women need to hear this, you know. Oh, yeah? Okay. Let's back up a few chapters to the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? They go up. Peter, James, and John get a special invitation to be with Jesus. They go up to the mountaintop to witness the transfiguration. Luke puts a little detail in here that um, I don't remember any of the other Gospels doing this. If you go back to chapter 9, about verse 28, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, uh, Peter, John, and James up on a mountain um, to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. And they were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Now get ready for this. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. This is Moses on the mountain stuff and they are taking a nap. When they woke up and they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing there and Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. And then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So Peter, John, and James, they head up for a a prayer meeting, prayer retreat on the mountaintop. They fall asleep during worship. And then when they do wake up, they just blurt out stuff and say, you know, we've decided we're going to form a building committee. And what we're going to do is we're going to raise funds to build three little tabernacles. Because that's a good thing to do. And we're going to get it right. We're going to build them just so Getting it right is not the same thing as doing what is right. In fact, what God wants them to do is he wants them to do what Mary was doing. Sit down, close your mouth, and listen to him. This is my son. Sometimes the word we need to hear is like the word that Jesus gives the religious expert the theologian in the story just before mary and martha oh he he's listened he's listened to more sermons more lectures more talk about scripture than just about anybody probably had listened to more of it than jesus even and yet he's still asking so who exactly is my neighbor i get this love your neighbor as yourself but who's my neighbor it all ends up with jesus saying you need to go out and do the same In other words, you've heard it, you're talking about it, now go do it. Sometimes that's the message. Sometimes the message for people like Peter, James, John, Martha, sometimes the message is just listen. You've got to be a hearer of the word before you can be a doer. And sometimes that's the message for congregations. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would teach us to listen. And yet here I am leading a prayer, speaking to you. We know that it is good for us to listen. We know that it is good for us to hear your voice. And Father, sometimes we get so concerned 
that we're not really hearing your voice. Teach us to let go of the anxiety. Give us your power to let go of the quest to do everything right and to embrace following you so that we can do the right thing, the one thing that matters. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some of our shepherds are going to be here to pray with you. I think that prayer, as well as speaking to God, is a way of listening. It's a way of opening us up to listening. We always want to make that available to you. So if you need prayers this morning, you can appeal to any of these shepherds. You can go meet with them in room 100. But let's stand. Let's sing together.